Very good. Thank you, choir. Take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Book of Colossians in the New Testament, one of those little letters that Paul was writing to these congregations. And uh, right after the book of Philippians is where you'll find it. Young fellow went to the doctor after a particular ailment seemed to have hit him. And uh, he went to the doctor, told him his signs and symptoms, and the doctor made a recommendation of what he believed the ailment to be. And it uh, wasn't completely severe, but it wasn't, you know, just something simple either. But they agreed upon a course of action for, uh, for this condition and assigned to him, the patient, the treatments and the prescriptions. And he gave them all to him, called into the pharmacies and what have you. And uh, off he went. Uh, like many of you, and uh, myself included, we are very inquisitive at times. And so this man was very inquisitive about this condition and the healing that was going to be taking place. And he went online and researched and read, and he did all sorts of things to find out more about what he had and, and how the medications were going to heal him and, and how he was going to live after being healed. And he studied so much, really, that he could articulate like a, like a trained physician on the matter. And others began talking to him about this condition. And uh, lo and behold, he realized that others were in the same boat that he was. And uh, they started coming to him for guidance. And he was able to direct them to, to a physician and, and, and talk with them more about uh, the things that, that they were going through. But over time, this man started getting worse. His condition started to deteriorate or his health started to deteriorate. And it came to find out that this man wasn't even taking the medications that had been prescribed. You see, he went to the pharmacy and he was so excited about knowing more and, and getting better. He, he got what was needed, but he never followed up with the doctor. He never took the, the, the medications. You know, you and I, spiritually speaking, can be in that same position. We will know our, what was wrong with us. We can know the course of action. We've been to the great physician to get what we need to experience the healing in our lives. And we can begin telling other people about it. We can get to know more about the Lord and the things of the Lord. But if we do not follow up with the prescriptions given to us, and that is walking with the Lord every single day and doing those things that can bring health and vitality. You and I would be worse off. Just mere knowledge doesn't always help. As a matter of fact, if you can take knowledge and you don't follow up with actions based upon that knowledge, you indeed will be like this young fellow. And so would I will be worse afterwards. Spiritually speaking, we need to learn how to better take the truth of the gospel and the truth of his word and to put it in our lives. And, and, and as the, the, uh, the, the sign for today, the signs of a disciple, I'm on number three. We're going to look at the stop sign. And the title of today's sermon is putting the brakes on bad behaviors. I, I could ask for a raising of hands, but I don't want you to because I know we'd all do it. How many of us have ever had that besetting sin, that, that issue in our lives that we keep wrestling with day after day after day, maybe year after year? How in the world can we take the Word of God? What can we do to help put the brakes to slow down this, 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 this train of destruction 
and find healing once and for all for issues that we've been struggling with for a long, long time. Well, I believe the answer in God's Word uh, is found actually throughout God's Word, but we're going to focus on a passage of Scripture here that I believe can put and give us some real insight in uh, for this issue. The book is Colossians. The chapter is 3. We're looking at verses 1 through 17. Let's stand together and honor the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on the earth, for you have died which, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, and desire. And covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked, but you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Heavenly Father, our, uh, the time that we have to be in the word of God, uh, Lord, it will go quickly. And so, Father, may you give me the right choice of words. Father, let us focus on uh, what you have to say to us this morning, that we would, uh, Lord, make the changes necessary, make the decisions that we need to make, do the things which need to be done by the power of the cross to us. Father, may you bless the reading of this word to all those who have heard. And may you receive the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Colossians, a letter written to a church in the midst of a culture of pagan religions. I mean, religions of all kind. There was no shortage of temples. There was no shortage of places where people could go and worship. The problem is very few of them, if not none of them, had anything to say about the method and manners of worship and the way that they lived their lives. They just didn't connect. In other words, with pagan, with pagan religions, all you had to do was bring your little sacrifices to that idol, do your little act of worship, go back and keep living your life the way that you did before. 
Matter of fact, it was only the gospel being presented into this region, this area of Asia Minor. It was the only worldview that said something about the method of worship and connecting it with the way that people would live their lives. In other words, it was the only system of a worldview, the only system of thought and the only religion, as it were, that said for you to be a part of Jesus, it will impact your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But listen, if you are living in the midst of of, of these religions and they're teaching their thing, it's easy for the impact of those religions to rub themselves off on you. And we kind of take it to kind of take it back to where we are and say, you know what? As long as I get it right on Sunday, and as long as I project a certain image on Sunday, I, I can be okay Monday through Saturday. Well, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because the cross and the gospel of Jesus is more than just an image. The gospel and the power of of the gospel is actually more than just what's experienced on a Sunday. I've often said that what we do on a Sunday ought to be an overflow from Saturday. Now, what we do on Sunday and the worship that we have is going to be an overflow uh, of every other day during the week. And so, in other words, maybe the opposite ought to be true. Maybe the faces we ought to put on ought to be the faces of what we've been doing with with our worship and, and our walk with God throughout the remainder of the week. And I wonder if we were really doing that, would we look any different? Well, I can surely tell you this, you and I both struggle with that because we are in church in the house of God, uh, one, maybe two days a week. We at Balone, we give you three opportunities for corporate worship. We believe all three are critically important for sustaining and strengthening the presence of God in your life. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. As a matter of fact, we have a different format, as it were, for each three types of services. On Sunday mornings, I try to preach things that are equipping, encouraging, and, and, and based for for a broader audience on Sunday nights. Most of the time it's our, our core membership that's here. And so I, I take a, I, I go into the word of God a little bit deeper on Wednesday. We have a more refined group and I go really deep into the word of God, typically on Wednesdays. That's kind of our format here, but I believe it takes all three to help sustain the presence of God. I know that I need it in my life. And so when you think about it this way, we're in the presence of God, so minimal, just here together and then out into the world so much. Obviously, we can struggle with the impact of the world on our lives. And when that's happening, what's going to happen after that? We start looking like the world. We start acting like the world. We start putting on bad behaviors like the world. Now, what do we do and how in the world can we put brakes on this uh, this old crazy train? Well, We have the same warnings Uh, in chapter two, verse eight in the book of Colossians. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition. In other words, is don't you be held prisoner by the by the, the philosophies of this world. Don't you let the world try to teach you that materialism is okay. Don't let the world persuade you to think that if I just look good on the outside, then it must mean that the inside's good. I'm here to tell you. I'm a trained eye on this. I'm a professional, as it were. And I have seen, I have seen broken faces come through layers of makeup. I have seen broken lives projected through the best three-piece suits you could ever put on. You don't fool me. 
You've been around people long enough yourself. You're professionals at it too, I bet. You can, you can know when people are truly hurting. You can know, you can tell when folks just try to put that gloss over their lives and they try to act like everything's all right. And it's not. Why? Because they've been taken captive. They are prisoners of some worldly viewpoint. So we have the same warnings, but listen, we also have the same promises. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18 says, And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And also in chapter 2 verse 6, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk with him. Let me tell you something. The same solution for the Colossian church is our solution today. And I believe God's word in this text here this morning has something to say about how we can put the brakes on some bad behavior. Let's look at this text. There's three major points I want to bring out to you today. The first one is this. Number one, if you want to start putting the brakes, you need to be certain of your identity. I want to make sure that you know whom and whose you are. Look at verse one. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not the things that are on earth for you have died. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is who you are. Let me tell you something. My struggle with my flesh are the times that I get outside of Christ. It's also the times that I get outside my mind and I act like a crazy person and so do you because I forget my identity. Can you imagine spiritual amnesia? How many of you have ever had amnesia before? I've never had amnesia, but can you imagine not remembering who you are, waking up from something, not knowing who your wife is or your children are, not remembering the familiar faces around you, spiritual Uh, spiritually speaking, we have that amnesia and we forget who we are. We forget that in the blood of Jesus, it covered us. We are hidden in Christ. We have his righteousness. And I think all too many times we forget the power of the cross. People will tell me, pastor, so-and-so, so, so, you know, you'll say, I don't think I could do that. Well, of course you can. It's going to take something beyond you. It's going to take Jesus. It's going to take his power. That's why in the book of Philippians, Paul says, I can do all things through what? Christ who gives me what? Strength. If I did it, I couldn't do it. There's a lot of things I cannot do physically, especially there are a lot of things I can't do spiritually, especially if I forget my identity. Especially if I forget who I am. And if we want to start putting the brakes on our bad behavior, we've got to start thinking about who we are. The Bible gives us some specific things to think about. Number one is that we are to be with Christ. Well, if we are in him, where is he? He is ascended. He is at the right hand. Why is that imagery important? Because if I am hidden in Christ, my mind is going to be in a, in a way kind of where he is, his mind is. Well, where is his mind? If he's at the right hand, he is above. We kind of think of ourselves as being over and above the world. Why? Because it gives us a better vantage point. It gives us a bigger picture. As believers, we don't live just day to day. It just 
trying to scrape by and say, listen, we live with an, with an entire history behind us and an eternity in front of us. And if we have the mind of Christ up there with him, we can see things a whole lot differently. We don't have to, we don't, we won't react the same way that the world reacts. We won't have those same knee jerk reactions. Why? Because our mind is with Christ. Christ is above seated with God and we can see things just a whole lot differently. And we know with Christ, uh, our savior, it'll be okay. We can make it through things. We may be worse for the wear, but we will be all right. It's not like we're going to be going through these things alone. It's the only place to be. Matter of fact, Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that, that and in terms of our minds, that we, we are to actually have a, a brand new mind. That whole, that whole thing about uh, that spiritual act of worship, you recall Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, about knowing the will of God. And Paul says in verse two, renewing your mind, you know, sometimes revival won't necessarily begin with your heart or my heart. It's going to begin with your mind and my mind transform the way that we are thinking. Verse three is Paul's really one sentence summary of Romans chapters three through six. He is telling us, reminding us that, that our lives are hidden. And if we continue to bring sin, it's like bringing filth into the presence of God. And, and who wants to do that? Yesterday I was working out in the yard and I was desperately trying to beat the weather and, and the rain coming in. I wanted to get the grass cut and this done, that done. And I was just filthy from head to toe. My wife is on the inside of the house cleaning it up, mopping and everything. I came in and she says, stop right there. I'm going to tell you what, she has the power of a state trooper. You know, I stopped dead in my tracks and she took one look at me and I took one look at the floor and I realized this woman's just, you know, uh, got to play speak and span. And I, that's the way that it is, guys. When we are hidden in Christ, we can't just bring all of our filth. We, we don't want to even want to live that way. To put the brakes on bad behavior, we need to get a good dose of reminding ourselves that we are Christ's. We are His. Now, let me tell you something. It's not suggesting that we don't bring sin into his presence or say that we are without it. Matter of fact, first John says that if we say we have no sin, we lie and deceive ourselves and the truth of God is not in us. Instead, what we are to do is just to remember, listen, when I go to Christ, I got to clean myself up. And I'm cleaning myself through the blood of Jesus. It will cover a multitude of sins. And so what did I do yesterday? I had to clean myself up. And I was able to enjoy my home and the presence of my wife a whole lot better. But we forget who we are. We get mixed up with our identity. And I'm here to tell you that in Christ, in Christ, you are his. Nothing can change that. Nothing can change that. No matter what anybody else tries to do, nothing can change that. I read a story this week about a fellow by the name of Jeremy Lee Bass. True story. Jeremy Lee Bass in 2007 got arrested. Got arrested on an outstanding warrant. And he was, what in the world has going on here? It turns out his own brother fought, got, got in trouble with the law and used his brother's name. And a warrant was put out for his, his arrest. So here was Jeremy Lee Bass. They were thinking he was the other guy. He got arrested for something he did not do. He got all that worked out. Later on, just a few months later, on August the 18th, he got a phone call in his home. He said, congratulations, Mr. Bass, you are dead. What do you mean I'm dead? Well, we're calling to let you know that 
Jamie Lee Bass just passed away in our local hospital here. It seems that there was another fella in the hospital in his location that had one letter different removed from his name. And he passed away and they got it confused with Jeremy Lee Bass once again. And so they sent condolences to his wife along with a $5,000 bill from the hospital, put his name into obituary, and he had to go through all of this red tape to prove that he really was alive. Let me tell you something. We mustn't confuse our identity. We don't have red tape. We had red blood. And that red blood has proved to us once and for all that we are alive. We cannot remember, or excuse me, we we cannot ever, ever, ever forget our identity. And sometimes putting the brakes on bad behavior, we just need to get, get a good dose of reminding the devil who we are. Devil, I'm not yours. I'm Jesus's. You don't have me. Jesus does. And I'm not yours any longer. Um, a, a passage that just comes to mind, and, and I'm just going to read a few verses, but if you ever want a good pick-me-up, read Romans chapter 8. I think that's just one of the most glorious chapters in all the Bible. And I, I'm going to read some selected verses that kind of tell us about our identity. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen is not hope. For hope who, for, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes us with groanings too deep for words. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who were called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he also called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You think I almost read the entire chapter, but I didn't. I just read the verses that I have highlighted on Romans chapter 8 because I read them all the time to get myself reminded of whose I am. I don't like suffering from spiritual amnesia, and I bet you don't either. So we move on from knowing our identity to number two. Do I allow my identity to impact my behavior? Matter of fact, you can probably scratch out 
the words do and I and scratch out the question mark and just let it say this, allow my identity to impact my behavior. Look at verse 5 through through 11, if you will, very quickly. And let me turn back there. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. In other words, this identity is going to impact what I do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then starting all over again. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetous, which is idolatry on account of these things, on account of these things, what's coming wrath of God. And these you two once walked, but when you were living in them, but, but now you must put them all away. The anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. For there is not Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but God is all and all. He says, first of all, in verse 5 there, put to death. The, the, the Greek word there is necro. It's a word that's translated. It means death. It's where we get uh, uh, the, the uh, when we translate words that, that have to do with death from the Greek. Can, a lot of times they'll have that root word, necro, put to death. Among physicians, it was used to denote atrophy in a part of the body through sickness. You know what atrophy is? When you stop using something, it'll start to shrivel up. You won't use it anymore. It gets weaker and weaker and weaker. I call it sometimes when I'm being impacted by temptation, I start to follow that road of temptation. I call it feeding the beast. I want to starve the beast. I don't want it to have the power in my life. Why? Because I want my identity to have an impact in my behavior. Why does this matter? Well, the Bible is what it's talking about here in these few verses kind of reiterate the fact that what we desire usually determines what we do. If we want, uh, if we desire things, we can have covetousness and, and it can lead to the passions and, and the evils. And, and listen, we can want something so bad it becomes our idol. We'll start worshiping it. Everything in our life will start being centered around. And let me tell you something. A lot of, excuse me, anything can become an idol. Your home, your car, your job, your children, your spouse can become an idol. When you start putting them ahead of where they ought to be in your life, that's when they've come and become an idol. I want you to notice, though, that there's two different types of sins being listed here. On verse 5, we have the varsity stuff, right? You know, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire to covetousness, idolatry. Boy, that's, that's big-time stuff. Verse 8, we got JV stuff, don't we? Junior varsity, anger, wrath, malice. Oh, well, well I don't mind, Pastor. I'll raise my hand if you say who struggles with anger. I'll raise But don't, don't ask about the sexual immorality because I'll be too embarrassed. Right? We like to separate lists of sins, don't we? We, we like to categorize them. In this text, they're not categorized. G. Campbell Morgan once called the sins in verse 8 the sins in good standing. They're the sins that you could get by with and still be in good standing with other people, right? You can still be in good standing with your spouse or the preacher or your children or the church. But it sounds like to me, according to this text, they're not supposed to be there. 
Matter of fact, in verse seven, in these two, you once walked when you were living in them. Matter of fact, you're not, you're not even, you aren't even not to even be walking in them any longer. Why is that? Verse 10. You've put on the new self. You've got a new identity. By the way, let me back up. There's one more. Stop lying to one another. I halfway wonder if more lies are told in a church house on a Sunday morning than any other time in our lives when we ask the question, how you doing? And you reply back, good. I wonder how many times we lie to one another. I wonder how many times we lie to one another just about who we are. Things going on in our life. You know, we can't lie to God. I, I think it's interesting he kind of singled that out and, and kind of drew attention to it there in verse 9. You notice he didn't say don't lie to God. You can't lie to God because lying implies that you're pulling the wool over his eyes. You can't pull the wool over his eyes. You can't lie to him, but you can lie to me. You can lie to one another. Problem is when you lie to one another, it eliminates and prohibits the other person's ability to invest themselves and to share your burden. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe the reason why you feel so alone in where you are in life is because you've been lying to everybody else around you, thinking they're going to judge you, thinking that, you know, and I, and I don't doubt that sometimes that will happen. But you know, uh, I've had groups of men that I've mentored here in this church, and we've shared a lot of things in those meetings. And I never once felt threatened or felt like I couldn't share with them. And we did share burdens with one another. We, we kind of took off those masks where we weren't lying to one another. And I believe in the church and for God's people, when we take off those masks, we're finally able to say, ah, I didn't know you were struggling with that. So am I. Let me, can, can I share with you something I have done that's helped me to find victory? Do you struggle there as well? Do we allow our identity to impact our behavior? That goes through verse 11. I'm going to sum it up very quickly and give you one more thing to think about. Do I imitate or emulate the Lord Jesus? Do I imitate or emulate the Lord Jesus? Now, uh, I'm not using these as synonyms, although they really kind of are synonyms of one another, but I'm going to contrast them a little bit. I'm going to contrast them because we're going to look in verses 12 through 17. We see, we, we see really two different things going on here. We see in verses 12 through 14 a different attitude that we're to have to other people. If you look at verse 12, put on then as God's cho- chosen ones, holy, beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. That's kind of an operative phrase right there. It's going to change the way we, 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 we uh, deal with one another. We forgive one another because God has forgiven me. I'm going to forgive others. And then in verses 15, 16, and 17, we're going to have to have a different attitude towards Christ. How is that? I like verse 16. It begins with the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'm tell you, that's that. Boy, that's where it begins. Uh, there's, there's not too many ways that I can articulate the importance of God's word being in your life. There's not too many ways that I can say and not too many different ways that I can put it into words. Read your Bible every single day. There was a little song we used to sing as children. Read your Bible, pray every day, 
and you'll grow, grow, grow. Anybody ever heard that song when you were a child growing up? I did. Maybe in North Carolina we had a different set of songs for children's church, but that's okay. But it said, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, 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 and you'll grow, grow, grow. And by the end of that song, we're on our little tippy toes, you know, trying to get as tall as we can. But then the, they taught us the second verse. Don't read your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And you'll shrink, 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 and you'll shrink. And I'm not going to get all the way down. I'll be laid down on the ground, and I wouldn't be able to get up. But it is so true. And you know something? Here's, here's another reason why about lying to one another. Because sometimes we just can't do it really well, can we? Don't raise your hand. I don't even probably need to nod because you might have somebody in mind. Don't, don't look at other people around you, but... When I say this, but you know, we can kind of tell when we're not in the Word of God like we should. I mean, we, we really can. We can, we can really tell when, when just the Spirit of God isn't in us like, like, you know, we just, we don't have that smile on our face. We don't have that gleam in our eye. We, we can kind of tell when we've had those off weeks. That's why it's so important, guys. I'm, I'm telling you. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Listen, we just need to be honest with one another, don't we? There's no, listen, there's no other, no other group of people. There's no, uh, listen, no, no other congregation, group of people, club, outfit, or anything else that I can be honest with. And they're going to actually give me anything good to help me. I can be honest with you. And what are you going to do? You've been in the Word of God. You've been praying. You can help point me to Jesus. You can give me that word of encouragement, that word of rebuke, that warning, or whatever. Do I, do, I, do I imitate or emulate these verses right here? Let me, let me give you the difference very quickly and we're done. Number one, by the imit, imitation. Imitation seems to imply not the real thing. Um, there, there's things out there in life that they'll go ahead and tell you it's imitation. But we buy it anyway. There's imitation cheese, for instance. Now, you and I, and those of us who've got common sense, we know what cheese is made out of, right? You usually take a milk of a cow or even a goat, and you, you, you kind of work with it enough, and it will become solid, and it will become a block of cheese. And if you treat it in the way you process it, sometimes it get air bubbles in it, and that's, that's what you call Swiss cheese. I have a problem with imitation. Because if it ain't the real thing, what are they making that cheese out of? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, there's a lot of things in this world that can produce the color yellow. Right? Excuse me, yellow. Got a lot of things that can make yellow. I, 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 but if it ain't coming from a cow, what is it? I don't know if I want that in my body. I don't know if I want that because I don't know if it's going to have the nutrients to make. You see where I'm going? Sometimes we can imitate. In other words, not be the real thing. We can, listen, it is so easy to imitate. I think one of the easiest things to do to imitate is imitate a Christian. Oh, you got dudes dressed up nice. Come on Sunday morning and you can have a lot of people fooled. You can put on some window dressing in your language and your vocabulary and you could just fool people. I've often said just because someone uses the word Lord does not mean that they're saved. Just because they can talk to talk doesn't mean they're walking a walk. Doesn't even know, they may not even know who they are. 
Going back to the whole identity thing. It's so easy. But rather than imitation, do I emulate? In other words, do I attempt to become Christ-like? And verses 12 through 17 give us two categories of thinking. In verses, in verses 12 uh, through 14, it gives me some things that I can think about the way that I handle with one another. And notice that it really focuses on forgiveness with one another. Boy, we ought to be long-suffering with one another. People are uptight today, aren't they? Don't you ever get to know, people are uptight over everything. They really are. They're high-strung. Everything just sets them off, right? I just forgive one another. Why? God forgave you. He forgives you. You forgive one another. It doesn't mean that their problem doesn't need attention. Matter of fact, it will, may need some attention, but be long-suffering with them. Be patient. Be kind. I've noticed that when people are journeying with Jesus, sometimes it takes a while for people to get over certain things. But I believe God is still working nonetheless. Didn't I sing a song to y'all recently? Another children's song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Because we are different with people that way, it's going to give the indication that the latter part of these verses mean that we've got something different going on with the Lord. Look, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's verse 15, and that was the beginning of verse 16. Then look at the beginning of verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, if you say it or do it, do everything in the name. Why in the name? Because that's my identity. That's who I represent. And I'm telling you something. I believe if we were to think about these, these things a little bit more in our lives, I think we'd sin a lot less. I don't think we'd sin, we wouldn't be sin free. But I think the struggles that we have over stuff in our life, I think they'd have a whole lot less power if we consider our identity. And to let the fact of who we are do something about the way that we live. And rather than trying to put on an imitation, trying to be something that we're not, Rather, we put on. As a matter of fact, that's what the Word said here this morning that we read together. You're gonna, there's some things we just put off, and we're going to put on, as God's holy and chosen ones, we're going to put on some things. We're going to be looking different. Why? Because of who I am. Now, this whole text is based upon one word that I wanted to end with. And this last word was the very first word in the text. The word if. You see, old Paul loved these churches that he ministered to. He loved the Philippians because they helped him during his time of imprisonment. He loved the church of Corinth, even though they had so many problems. He loved that church of Rome because they were so steeped in theology. And he loved this little church of Colossae. And I'm sure that he knew them all quite well to different degrees of one another. But one thing he did not know was their hearts. Now, being your pastor two, three years or 20 or 30 years, there's one thing I can know about you. Matter of fact, many things I can know about you, but there'll be one place that'll be always off limits that I will never know. And that's going to be your heart. 
no matter how much I may know about you and your family, your background, your history, all those things. I can memorize so much about you, but there's one place that's off limits I will never know. And I don't know it this morning, and that's your heart. You see, this whole text is based upon this word, if, if, if you are in Christ Jesus. I don't know how you answered that question this morning because I don't know your hearts. I don't know if you've been putting on airs for a long, long time. I don't know if you've been trying to say and do one thing, but you're living and saying and doing a different thing. I don't know if you're imitating or emulating. I don't know. I don't know your hearts. But I am going to give you an opportunity to examine your own hearts. And don't lie to yourself. You can lie to other people, but you can't lie to, you can't lie to God. But don't lie to yourself. I want you to think about that if. Think about your identity. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to base your response in this time of invitation. I'll have our, our musicians go ahead and come forward. Y'all can come on up on stage and get ready. We're going to get ready to sing in just a, in just a minute here. I want you to think about that word if, and I want you to answer that question. Put if in a question mark. Answer that question if.